0: Ron sighed and stretched and wrapped his arms and legs around Hermione, who was doing something terrific to the spot just under his ear. He muttered something fairly indecent to her, and she laughed and pressed against him. He could feel the whole shape of her through her clothes, but it wasn't enough. The clothes were unacceptable. He trailed his hands down her sides and over her hips. Hey, get up! Ron groaned and swatted at the hand that was shaking his shoulder. Her off," he mumbled to the unwelcome intruder, trying to get back to Hermione, but she was quickly slipping away. The intruder shook him again. "Come on! Last week you said you wanted to go to London early for this. You told me to wake you up on my way out." The voice paused, and then its owner gave Ron's arm a swift thump. "Ow! Damn! Get up! I've got to go, and I want to be sure you're awake." Ron gave up on finding Hermione again. She had disappeared into a lost dream. He opened his eyes and glared blearily up at Harry, then glanced at his clock. It's five bollocking thirty, he moaned, unable to believe there was such an hour. Go away. Go back to bed. Can't. I have to go to Azkaban now and put in a half shift so that I can get out early and give you moral support at the trial. Trial. Ron sat bolt upright. It's today, he muttered. Between his night shifts at the pub, his daily work with Sirius, and the incredibly distracting letter that had come from Cortona yesterday afternoon, Ron had rather lost track of time. He swung his legs out of bed and waited for some pre trial nerves to hit. Or perhaps it was just too early for nerves. All he could think about was what Hermione must look like, all tan and that white thing she described. He wondered if he was allowed to show up at the thinker's house and find out. He had to reply to Hermione's letter and ask. He really had to write back. See with the ministry. Harry's voice interrupted his thoughts. Oh, right. Hey, thanks for coming. Harry snorted softly. Like I wouldn't, he said, and disapparated. Ron had half a mind to go right back to sleep and try to find that dream again. But even though he didn't have to be in Diagon Alley until the afternoon, he knew there was a good chance he'd sleep right through this trial if he went back to bed. He glanced around his new room and considered that he could spend a few hours making it look respectable. There was a mess of books at one end and a mess of clothes at the other, and a few simple spells would organize all of it. There were also about a thousand Chudley Cannon posters to hang. Not that it would be much fun to stare at those this season. Frowning, Ron decided to ignore the disarray of the notch for the time being. It was his. He was paying for half of it. And he'd make an enormous mess if he felt like it. Cheered by the thought of never having to clean anything again for the rest of his life, Ron got dressed and made himself breakfast, rehearsing in his head the many questions and answers that he and Sirius had planned for his defense. Sirius had also played devil's advocate during their preparation by antagonizing Ron with pointed, personal remarks, as Malfoy's representative probably would. Oddly, Ron had rather enjoyed all the practicing, and he was going to miss hanging out with Sirius during the day. There was something satisfying about helping with the really big trials, even when Sirius asked him to do really mundane searches of huge piles of parchment. At eight-thirty, when he was dressed and nearly ready to leave, Jinny showed up with rings under her eyes and hugged him. "'It's going to be fine,' she said fiercely. "'I'll be up there. I think the twins are coming, too.' Ron hugged her back and hugged her ponytail. "'Thanks,' he said, noting how pale she was. "'She'd been looking tired a lot lately. "'You look like somebody hexed you right in the face. "'Oh, thanks. I need more sleep, that's all. "'Harry been keeping you awake?' Ron taunted. "'Lately, Harry had made very little effort to hide his regard for Jinny, "'and he'd spent more of his evenings at Lupin Lodge than at The Notch. "'Ron hadn't felt quite comfortable taunting him about this, "'but Jinny was another matter. Jinny went red and smacked his arm.' No, it was a full moon last night, if you didn't notice, and I had to take care of Sirius. Don't you mean Remus? No, Remus was fine. When are you leaving for London? In a minute. Bill wants to give me an early pep talk or something. Oh, I wish I could go. Too bad you have school, Ron grinned, though I can't imagine Remus is up to teaching today. He's not, but I promised to study independently, Jenny groaned. "'I'll see you up there,' she said, and when she had left the notch, Ron disapparated, still feeling perfectly at ease. It wasn't until Diagon Alley appeared around him in a rush, full of loud noises and colorfully dressed wizards and witches, that he felt the first onrush of fear. Ron peered in the direction of the ministry, his heart pounding a little harder than usual. The trial would really happen today, and Malfoy was really out to get him. Ron dropped down to sit on the Gringotts' steps, and dangled his arms over his knees, waiting for Bill and trying not to panic. Got a knut? Ron's head swiveled toward the voice, which sounded very odd. It was young and clear as a bell, yet twisted somehow, hardened. But he didn't see anyone. Who said that? he asked and peered left toward the disembodied voice. Behind a massive white column on the side of the steps, Ron could barely see a small figure with sandy hair it half emerged to glare at him. Ron gaped. The voice belonged to a boy, but the boy was dirty and disheveled, and the gleam in his eyes was unnatural for a child of his age. He gripped the side of the column with one grimy hand and jerked his head at Ron. Spare Knut, I said. Aye. Ron reached for his money-bag, but something stopped him from offering change. He felt a compulsion to do something else. "'Where are your parents?' he asked, looking around. "'Dead.' "'Ron felt pity pierce him like an arrow. "'Voldemort?' he asked softly. "'The boy tossed his head, and his blue eyes flashed. "'I wasn't there, was I? I wouldn't know. "'I was at school, and then people tried to stick me in that dirty children's home, "'so I ran for it. "'Damned if I let those bastards get me! "'Hey there,' Ron heard himself saying gently, getting to his feet. "'Watch the swearing.' He smiled inwardly. Hermione would faint if she could hear him say that. The boy, however, did not smile. He was backing away from Ron. "'Don't you tell me what to do, and sit down. Don't come near me.' "'How can I give you the canut if I stay over here?' Ron asked casually, holding one out between his thumb and forefinger. The boy stopped, obviously thinking hard about this. "'You're going to give it to me?' "'On my honor, if—' Ron paused.' If you sit here a minute first and answer some questions. He held the boy's gaze, not knowing why he just didn't give the kid some money. He only knew, looking at the orphan before him, that his own troubles suddenly seemed far away. As a child, he'd always felt conspicuously poor, but to live on the street, to be covered with filth, to have to ask strangers for money enough to eat-it was unthinkable. The boy was considering him, calculating. On your honor? Ron crossed his heart. The boy smirked. Like that means anything anymore, he muttered. It does with me, Ron said seriously. He waited, watching the boy's expression change from bitterness to disbelief to defensive curiosity. He took one, and then two steps closer. How many questions do I have to answer? Well, let's say three. Here's one. How old are you? Twelve. "'Ron's heart ached. "'This boy should be starting his second year in school. "'Yet here he was. "'Ron remembered the summer after he had turned twelve. "'He had returned to the borough "'and complained about how hot it was and how boring. "'He had spent most of the time telling Ginny about Harry "'and then telling her to shut up about Harry, "'making fun of Percy and fishing tadpoles out of his soup, "'courtesy of Fred and George. "'He'd busted Harry out of the Dursleys in a flying car,' and he'd written Hermione taunting letters. They'd gone back to school in that car, crashed into the Whomping Willow, got in horrible trouble. It had been wonderful. This boy, on the other hand, looked as far from wonderful as it was possible to be. All right, he said, forcing his voice to stay even. Where have you been sleeping? The boy blinked, and his face closed off again. I can't tell you that. Why not? You'll turn us in. Us. Then there were more of them. Ron shook his head. I never would. Something about him must have been convincing. The boy crossed his arms. You do, and I'll get you. Fair enough. Cellar down Nocturne Alley. That's all I'm saying. And you've only got one more question. The boy leapt down three steps at once, swaggered insolently up to Ron, and held his hand out, palm up ask it, he said. Ron was reminded fiercely of two people. The first was Draco Malfoy. This boy's attitude could have doubled for his, and Ron was tempted to ask if the Malfoys were any relation. But the second was Harry. The boy's demeanour was as self-sufficient as Harry's. He was twelve, frightened, and parentless because of Voldemort. Ron thought hard about his third question, wondering how much he could make of it. "'I trust you,' he said, crouching down to look the boy dead in the eyes. "'So I'm giving you this now. "'But I know you'll stay for the third question, "'and I know you'll answer it honestly.' He put the canut in the boy's hand, where small, dirty fingers gripped greedily around it. The boy gave a narrow laugh. "'Slow, aren't you?' he spat, and before Ron could say anything, the boy raced nimbly down the steps and sprinted toward Nocturne Alley. "'I've seen him before,' Bill had appeared on the stairs. He pointed at the boy's disappearing back. Poor kid. Yeah, said Ron, feeling rather stupid. He should have asked the boy's name first, not his age. And he shouldn't have trusted him when he looked that desperate. Damn. I know, but he won't be helped. He's run away from St. Mungo's. There are a bunch of them that won't stay in the home. It's awful to see. He looked Ron up and down. "'Did you bring a change of clothes for your trial?' he asked bluntly. "'What's wrong with these?' Ron gestured defensively to the brown robes he was wearing. They were good enough for work, they were long enough, and they bore no visible stains or patches. At least he wasn't hairy, going about in Gryffindor robes. "'Well, they're not very formal, are they?' "'Malfoy's not my date to the ball,' Ron muttered. "'I'm not dressing up for him.' "'No, but you'd better dress up for the council.' Bill advised in a knowing elder brother voice that made Ron want to hit him. "'Fine. I'll go home and get my dress robes.' "'Not dress robes, Ron. Formal robes. For professional occasions.' Ron snorted. "'For your information, I wear these to work. Sorry if they're not professional enough for your tastes. And you're one to talk, going to work in dragonhide and vests, and keeping a ponytail,' he added for good measure." Bill raised his eyebrows, but didn't retort. "'Look, I'm just trying to help,' he said, less demandingly. "'Want to stop by my flat and grab rooms of mine?' "'I'm too tall for yours,' Ron said, mildly pleased that this was true. He would always be the youngest brother, but he had grown up the tallest. "'So we'll go to Madame Malkin's,' Bill said easily. "'I'll get you some.' "'I can get my own.' Ron fingered the money pouch in his pocket." His bank vault was much emptier since he'd paid his first month's rent, but he wasn't letting his brothers buy him ropes forever. He followed Bill to Madame Malkin's, where he was surprised to see an unfamiliar shopkeeper bustling about between the mannequins. "'I'm Madame Mabay,' the woman said pleasantly, coming toward them. "'Don't be shocked, boys. My sister's on holiday, and I'm helping her out. "'Now, what color to put with that nice red hair?' She looked them both over as if contemplating eating them, and Ron blushed. I've got just the thing, she purred, and disappeared into the back of the shop. Ron nudged Bill. She fancies us, he muttered, but Bill wasn't paying attention. His eyes were fixed on something across the shop, and Ron followed his brother's gaze to where it rested on a brilliant, pale sort of light. But it wasn't light at all. It was a sheet of hair. A very beautiful, very familiar sheet of hair. Holy crap, Ron mumbled. Fleur de la cour. Bill turned on him. You know her? he demanded. You want an introduction? Ron said slyly and went into a fit of immature laughter. Fleur had that effect on him, he supposed. Hey! he called out when he'd gotten control of himself. Fleur! Hi! Don't! Bill hissed. But it was too late. She had turned around, and Ron grinned at Bill's positively purple complexion as Fleur's eyes flitted disdainfully over him, then focused on Ron. "'Ron,' she called in return. "'But thou nice!' She picked up her purse and shopping-bag, and unnecessarily ran a hand over her hair before coming toward him and kissing him on both cheeks. Ron knew he was glowing red, but he didn't care. "'Nice to see you, too,' he said as evenly as he could. "'This is my brother Bill.' "'Bill? This is Fleur de Lacour. "'She was the beaux champion at the Triwizard Tournament.' Fleur acknowledged Bill with a curt nod and returned her full attention to Ron, who felt highly gratified. It was usually the other way around. "'What are you doing in London?' he asked. "'I helped your brother Charlie with his dragons, and now I am helping with his enchantments at Gringotts.' "'Ah,' Ron said, smiling widely, so Bill had seen her before and hadn't worked up the nerve to talk to her. "'Well, you're working with my brother, then. He's a curse-breaker for the bank.' You should show her around, Bill. Ron elbowed his brother in the ribs. Make a few introductions. Give her a tour of Diagon Alley, that sort of thing. Oh, I know my way around, Fleur said airily, giving Bill a wide, white, cat-like smile. I do not need help, but, she said, turning back to Ron, you are terribly sweet. She leaned forward and kissed both Ron's cheeks once more. I must go. I hope we will see each other again. "'You work in Diagonelli? "'He's on trial at the Ministry Courthouse,' Bill answered, and Ron tensed with embarrassment. He made a note to stop by Fred and George's shop soon and find something horrible to send to Bill's flat. But Fleur's Cheshire smile faded, and she looked instantly concerned. "'You are all right?' she asked Ron, putting a hand on his arm. "'Were you accused in the war?' Ron stopped glaring at Bill, and soaked up Fleur's sympathetic look. No, it's nothing that serious, but thanks. I'll be fine. What's that? she asked, frowning at his temple. Were you hurt? Ron looked blankly at her, then remembered that his temple had been torn open when Malfoy had hit him with the ring. Even though Hermione had treated it properly, it had never really healed. He reached up and felt the scab to make sure it wasn't bleeding. Nah, he answered. It's nothing. Fleur looked relieved. She gave him another winning smile. Well, the next time you come by Gringotts, ask for me and we will have lunch. Yeah, all right, Ron said, and though he knew he was grinning stupidly, he couldn't stop himself. I'll bring Harry, if you like. Oh, yes, bring Harry. You both... Fleur trailed off, looking suddenly distant and sad. She shook her lovely head. You were both very kind to me, at Hogwarts she said quietly. I have not forgotten it. She went absently toward the door and pushed through it. Say hi to Gabrielle for me, Ron called after her, but he wasn't sure if she'd heard. The door swung shut. The next thing he felt was a very unbrotherly punch in the shoulder. Ron hollered in pain and turned on Bill. What the hell is wrong with you? he yelled. Her little sister disappeared months ago, Bill said hotly, baring his teeth like a guard dog. "'Gabrielle was abducted from Mont-Saint-Mariel. Way to bring it up, you half-wit!' He glowered at Ron. "'How was I supposed to know that?' Ron asked angrily, and then stopped. "'Wait a minute. How did you know?' Bill went back to looking purple, and said nothing. "'Oh!' Ron rubbed the sore spot on his shoulder, suddenly understanding. "'Got a thing for her, have you? Done your research on her?' Bill looked daggers at Ron, but shut his mouth on whatever Kurtz was about to come out of it, when Madame Mibet bustled back into the room with her arms full of fabric. "'Did I hear fighting?' she asked, giving a low, silky laugh. "'Now, boys, play nice. Here's what I think you ought to be wearing. Stunning pattern. Just the thing. Very animal, you know. Very primal.' She held a huge swatch of cloth up to Ron, toga-style. The cloth was orange and blue and brown, decorated with black, African-style patterns, and the whole thing shimmered with gold flecks. "'Oh, now that is nice,' she mused. "'Gold brings out that hair of yours very nicely.' Ron stepped away from the toga and shook his head. "'I just need a set of professional robes,' he said quickly. "'Blue or black, or really dark green. Something solid.' "'Give him maroon,' came a voice from the door. It was Harry, dressed in full dragon-riding attire, and looking much older for it. Hey, Ron, I just saw Fleur, and she told me you were here. What did I miss? Harry looked very tired, and he was rubbing his temples, but he managed to smirk. Did you ask her out again, or anything? You asked her out? Bill said, looking at Ron in disbelief. Sure, Ron said, trying to sound like he once made a practice of dating Vila. Before Hermione and me, of course. Harry sniggered, but didn't elaborate, and Ron shot him a thankful look. Maroon, Madame M'Baye looked crestfallen. Well, I suppose I could find something plain. Not maroon, Ron corrected in a panic. Anything else. The shopkeeper's sister disappeared into the back again with a sigh. She returned with something she called military blue and held it up to Ron. Well, you do make the dull colors look nice, she finally said, making him blush again. "'Anything for your brother while I'm at it? "'Or your friend?' she pointed to Harry. "'That's a dashing ensemble, dear,' she said appreciatively. "'Very daring. "'Something else like that, perhaps?' "'Uh, plain black robes,' Harry answered. Two sets.' Madame Mabay was finished with the tailoring in a very short time, and Ron changed into his new robes in the dressing area. He checked himself from every angle and puffed up proudly. Bill might have been right about the professional thing. He looked damn good, and it might have been his imagination, but when he, Harry, and Bill stepped back into Diagon Alley, he thought a couple of girls turned to look at him. He wondered what Hermione would think of him dressed up like this. She'd always glowed whenever he'd worn dress robes for anything, and these were even better somehow, more adult. Ron set his shoulders and drew himself up to his full height. At the bottom of the Gringotts steps, however, he checked his watch and slumped nervously. Noon. Trial in an hour. His insides fluttered unpleasantly. "'What are you doing all the way over here?' someone cried from halfway down the street. Ron shielded his eyes from the sudden glare of the sunlight and saw Ginny hurrying toward them. "'I thought you'd be down by the ministry by now. I was worried.' Bill grabbed Ginny and hugged her, lifting her feet off the ground. "'Hi, Jenner Pinner, he said fondly. Ginny shared a private look of disgust with Ron. He raised his eyebrows in sympathy. Did you get those potion ingredients all right? Yes, it it all worked out. Thanks for the help. When Bill let her go, she stepped close to Harry, who put his arm around her and rested his hand on her waist. Ron stared. That was new. He'd seen them touch now and again at home, but never in public. Not that it bothered him so much. Ginny fingered the thick goggles that hung around Harry's neck, and tugged at the cords that hung out of his vest, all the while asking him questions about his day. Harry answered easily, handing her a pair of omnioculars so she could play back a few moments of dragon-riding for herself, if she wanted to. He looked amazingly level-headed for having spent so many days around Dementors, and if Ginny was the person keeping his spirits up, then Ron supposed it was all right. She looked more worn out than Harry did, really. Bill didn't seem to notice that his little sister's love life was developing right in front of his face. He kept looking up the stairs toward the bank as if expecting to see someone. Ron wondered if he was trying to catch another glimpse of Fleur, and realized that he hadn't really heard what Bill had said earlier. Fleur's sister, Mont-Saint-Muriel. It was awful. Fleur had been mad about her sister. Ron's thoughts turned automatically to Percy, and he sighed quietly to himself. "'Aww, don't cry, Ickleronikins. We're here. And we've got ammunition!' Fred and George grinned around at their startled faces. Both their pairs of eyebrows shot up at the sight of Harry's proximity to Ginny. "'Ammunition?' Ron demanded, hoping to distract them from saying something that would embarrass them all. The twins turned back to him. "'That's right,' Fred cackled. "'Our latest and greatest brainchild!' finished George, fingering his goatee with the air of a mad scientist." Don't you dare try anything in the courtroom, Ron began, but Harry looked delighted. What is it? A glum bumble, George replied, pulling a small glass jar out of the pocket of his robes and holding it up. Inside it buzzed a flying insect, furry-bodied and gray. Ron rolled his eyes impatiently. You hardly invented that, he said. There was a nest of the things inside one of the hollow trees, near the burrow. Ugh, I used to get stung by those, Ginny said. They make you feel sad for days. Ah, yes, Fred said. They induce melancholy. Makes a person slow-witted, depressed, and distracted. Well, get it out of here, Bill said, suddenly coming back to the conversation. We all need our wits this afternoon. I've also brought a few of these, Fred said cheerfully, pulling a small, clear bag of nettles out of his pocket. They eat them. So we banish a few nettles into old Malfoy's helmet hair, release the glum bumble, and watch him get stung and fail miserably on the stand, George finished triumphantly. Fred put a hand on his heart. It's a disgrace how these creatures manage to get into highly classified ministry areas. We'll have to have a word with dad about security. You can't do that, Bill protested. It's interfering with the testimony of a witness, Ron added, but he had to admit it was a pretty good idea. I'll banish the Nettles, said Harry, taking them from Fred. Don't worry, Fred said, smiling at Bill's look of disapproval. We'll only do this as a last resort. You're jeopardizing Dad's position. Oh, let Mum give us the speech, Bill. Honestly, she misses it so. We've got to go meet Mum," actually, Jenny said, checking her watch. She wants us all near her in the courtroom. The Weasley children gave a collective groan. I think Penny might be bringing Leo, too, Jenny added, and everyone perked up at that and started walking toward the courthouse. Ron wished he could hold the baby on the stand. Maybe he'd get sympathy points. It was bizarre to think that they were all walking to a trial in which he was the accused. He couldn't get used to the idea that there might be consequences for an action that had never been his fault. How helpless Sirius must have felt when they convicted him. Ron shuddered. "'You all right?' Ginny asked quietly, edging close to him. She kept one arm tucked into Harry's, and gave Ron her other one. He took it. "'Fine,' he said stiffly, looking around absently, expecting something to appear. He wasn't sure what he was looking for. "'You must miss Hermione,' Ginny said, and leaned her head on his shoulder. "'I'm sure she's thinking of you.' He'd been looking for Hermione. Ron glanced at Fortescue's as they passed it, and at Ollivander's. He remembered when she'd come with him to get another wand. Everything here was loaded with memories of her, especially Flourish and Blots, where the windows were now decorated for autumn, piled high with spellbooks and fiction. Hermione loved that place. Maybe, after the trial, he'd stop in and get her a book to send back with his letter. She hadn't taken any books with her to Cortona, She must be starving for a good read by now. No matter what he sent, she'd probably read it out of desperation. Ron cheered himself up, thinking about the different Quidditch periodicals he could send her. She'd finally know what he was talking about half the time. They reached the bottom of the courthouse steps. Everyone cleared a sort of half-circle around Ron, and looked at him with grave, supportive faces. Charlie would be here if he could, Bill said, but he's got to ride Draco's shift. He says you'll be brilliant, all right? Ron nodded. Good luck, Fred said soberly. Clobber him, added George. I love you, Jinny said, sounding a little choked up. She hugged him, and Ron reddened. It wasn't often that the Weasley siblings got serious like that. He hasn't got a chance. Malfoy won't win, Harry said flatly, reaching out and clapping Ron's shoulder when Jinny let go. And if he does, I've brought the invisibility cloak. He patted his satchel. I'll smuggle you out. Ron tried to smile. Everyone was being really great. But there was only so much they could do to help. This was his problem, and he had a sudden idea of what Harry must have felt like all through school. Everyone all around, ready to assist with something they couldn't touch. It was a lonely feeling. Ron! Ron swiveled and looked up the steps. Sirius was bounding down them at top speed, looking haggard, but jubilant. His black hair swung in his eyes and he victoriously brandished a scroll of parchment in the air. You won't believe what happened. I almost didn't believe it myself. Ron's heart sped up. What is it? Malfoy's fallen off his dragon and drowned? Fred asked hopefully. Ginny glared at him. That's not funny, she hissed, touching Harry's arm. Malfoy, Sirius said, coming to the bottom of the steps and grinning, "'has decided to take his representative's advice.' "'Ron wasn't sure he was hearing things right. "'What advice was that?' he asked shakily. "'To drop the charges.' "'Sirius handed Ron the scroll he was holding. "'Ron unrolled it and scanned it, holding his breath. "'It wasn't possible that Malfoy was passing up an opportunity to make him suffer, "'but here it was, in print, with Malfoy's signature at the bottom.' He barely had time to finish reading before Bill grabbed the scroll and read aloud, confirming what Sirius had said. George and Fred gave a unanimous, ear-splitting whoop. Jenny and Harry each grabbed one of Ron's arms and started congratulating him, relief heavy in their voices. Ron barely heard any of it. There was a buzzing disbelief in his brain. Something didn't feel right. Really? he asked Sirius. It wasn't real. It just couldn't be over. Malfoy was not the type. But why? No details, they said, and he won't speak with us, but I reckon he's scared. I had told his representative to make him aware of all of our evidence, and to tell him that a further investigation into his personal affairs would follow our countercharges. Someone should investigate him, Harry said darkly. Ron fidgeted uneasily. It wasn't a good enough explanation. So that's... it? he asked slowly. I can just, what, go home? Go home, George demanded indignantly. You're going out with us and celebrating, Fred declared. I'd say that's an order, Bill agreed, rolling up the parchment and handing it back to Sirius. This is fantastic news. Good on you, Ron. I'll go up and tell Mum. No need, said Sirius. I got in touch with your mother before she arrived, and she was so relieved that she burst into tears. He laughed. Your dad looked tempted to do the same thing. Oh. And Ron, another bit of good news. The first announcement hadn't sunk in yet, but Ron nodded dazedly at Sirius. Yeah? The Courtenay trial is over. She was proved innocent this morning. Your theory worked out. The same officer assigned every Death Eater she defended. He's the one we want. Not Darla. She went home today for the first time in four months. One innocent prisoner released, Ron said. "'vaguely realizing what that must mean to Sirius. "'I'm glad to hear it.' Two in one day, if we count you,' Sirius said, "'looking younger and more energetic than he had in weeks, "'which was especially amazing considering that the full moon had just been last night, "'and he probably hadn't been able to sleep.' "'Come on,' said Fred. "'Leaky Cauldron. "'Let's memorialize this moment with a few fine butterbeers.' "'Well spoken,' said George, a smile brightening his face. Not the leaky cauldron, Ron said, snapping out of his daze. He wasn't going to jail. He didn't even have a monetary fine. Hermione was going to be ecstatic. He was ecstatic. His unease evaporated and left him feeling giddy. London's overpriced. We're going to the snouts fair and drinking free. His heart was growing lighter by the second. Goldie wanted to know the verdict first thing, so he'd know whether to hire another bartender or not. He smiled. Guess he doesn't have to, poor old man. He's stuck with me. Let's go tell him, Harry. Wish I could, Harry said, giving Ron an apologetic look. But as there's no trial, I should go put in the other half of my shift. Oh, can't you stay? Ginny pled softly. You should come with us. I would, but I don't think Malfoy is going back, and it's not fair to... He looked torn for a moment, but swiftly came to a decision. I'm sorry, Ron. We'll celebrate later, all right? All right. "'Ron said, clipping Harry on the arm. "'I'll have one for you in the meantime. "'Thanks.' "'Harry pulled his wand out of a funny pocket "'on the side of his trouser leg and glanced at Jinny. "'She still looked disappointed, but as Ron watched, "'Harry leaned over and gave her a very quick, "'but very definite kiss on the cheek. "'See you soon,' he said, "'and hardly had a chance to turn red before disapparating. "'Sirius and Bill both stared at Jinny, their eyes wide.' "'Neither seemed to believe what he had just seen.' "'Whoa-ho-ho!' Fred crowed, pointing at her. "'Well, it looks like somebody's investment is finally paying off.' "'I remember all the words to their first valentine,' George chimed in, "'giving a fake sniffle and wiping at his eyes. "'Touching stuff, that. Ahem. His eyes are as green. "'I'll meet you at Stag's den,' Jenny muttered to Ron, red to the roots of her hair. "'I have to go buy flu powder. I'll use Dad's office.' She turned and raced to the ministry steps without looking back. Well, Sirius still looked a bit shocked. His eyes followed Jinny until she disappeared. It's good that this is all cleared up. If you'll all excuse me, I need to start working on... But Ron didn't let him finish. Oh, no, you don't, he said. You're coming with us. Sirius smiled patiently. I can't. I have... Sirius, come on. You need a break. And here, I'll make you a deal. I'll help you make up for lost time. I'll keep on coming up here with you until you're caught up. Ron said all of this very fast, and hoped very much that Sirius would agree. Partly because he really did think that the man needed a break, but mostly because he didn't want to be finished with trial work. He'd looked forward to it every day for weeks, and considering that it meant getting up before sunrise, he supposed it had to mean something that he actually liked it. Sirius looked like he was about to protest, but gave in to the four Weasleys around him. "'who looked like they might use force if he tried to disagree. "'Fine,' he said, "'but I'm warning you. "'If you're not careful, "'you won't have any time left to work at that pub. "'I'll wear you out.' "'Fine with me,' Ron said. "'The busier he was, "'the less time there would be for missing Hermione. "'Let's go. Ginny's going to beat us, "'and I'm going to be the one to tell Goldie the good news.' "'Fred and George moved on either side of Sirius "'to assure that he disapparated, "'and when he did, they followed suit.' Bill went next, leaving Ron alone at the bottom of the courthouse steps. He looked up at the massive building, amazed at his luck. It was going to be great, writing to Hermione that the case had been thrown out. It was going to be great, writing back to that letter of hers, full stop. She wasn't the only one who could write like that. He took a moment to imagine a possible response, and her possible reaction. When Ron apparated into the snout's fair, his ears were still pink.